Today we're going to look into the defense and break it down position by position and what may happen moving forward. Then we'll do mock draft 2.0. Then we'll look into some other news on the team and around the league. So Chiefs Kingdom, you already know, i like to welcome you all to the Kingdom Connect podcast. This is the Kansas City Chiefs podcast. You're with your host and producer, Eric Lupartis, certified trainer, performance coach. Hope everybody's doing well today. We're recording this episode. This is episode three of the podcast on Friday, April 8th. Hope everybody's been trying to stay warm today. It's been a little chilly the past few days. So uh, yeah, but anyways, let's talk some Chiefs. Um, and I want to start with the defense, and I'm going to take it all the way back to uh, Brett Veach's press conference at the end of the year. And honestly, you can see the pissed off face, you know, that he had, and rightfully so. Um, and I honestly think the reason why he was mad and voiced his frustrations in the way that he, you know, he did was because this was a window. This, this, these last four years, this was a window. We could all understand 2018, we got to the AFC Championship. So that was like, a like oh my God, we really got that far. Well, you know, what can happen? Next year, we, we win it all. We win a Super Bowl. Following year, we go to a Super Bowl, but we lose it. And we lose it in a very embarrassing fashion. And something that we never thought would ever happen to Kansas City. Um, at least in the Mahomes era. And... Um, then obviously last season, us blowing it in the AFC title game, you know, we went backwards from winning the Super Bowl, you know, we went back to the Super Bowl, lost it, and then went to an AFC title game and lost it. Um, and I think Brett Veach saw this as a window, like, Hey, even though we won one championship, I expected more. And I know we lost in the Super Bowl in 2000, you know, in 2020. But when we came back, I mean, we I know the season started off shaky, but, you know, when we were going on a roll and we had every opportunity, you know, we had every you know, we had every opportunity to make it back to the Super Bowl. And I'm not I don't want to get back into that AFC title game. Everybody knows how the second half went. Um, But anyways, Shifting back to the main focus on the defense, Brett Veach at his press conference, with him feeling that way, he voiced out that there was going to be some changes around the team. And that was specifically the defense. Now, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, is this dude going to fire Spags? Is this dude just basically going to cut everybody? You know, I we didn't know. But he sounded like, you know, hey, we, we're ready for another change. And if you know Brett Veach over the last couple years, you know that his changes can be somewhat dramatic. And but he didn't really make any changes to the defensive line. And that was the one area of the defense that he said that it was going to be a change or was going to be a like a center of focus on the defense. And I thought that was going to start with, you know, not even bringing Clark back, like, you know, 
getting rid of him. Doesn't matter about his cap hit, whether that be pre-June, post-June. I don't care. We're not bringing his ass back. Well, that obviously didn't happen, and we brought him back. And I get why Brett Veach did it. It was on a restructured deal. Um, and he probably didn't like the free agency and didn't like how it was rolling and probably thought, well, I made this mistake with Clark. Do I want to go and make this mistake again? You know, and he probably thought that loud and clear and realized, you know what? We know what we're getting with him. He knows the system. If we maybe if we put him on a a deal where it's basically incentive based, you know, it will pretty much kind of save as much as how much we would save if we would cut him. Now, even though it's a million less than what you would save if you did cut him instead of restructuring him, a million could go a long ways. I mean, I know a million isn't a lot, but, you know, that can pay, you know, small rookie contract. You know, you never know. I personally would have rather moved on from Frank Clark. And I've said that in previous episodes. I just, you know what you're getting with him. He has not shown up at all in the regular season. It's been injuries. It's been stomach problems. It's been neck problems. Injuries after injuries. Hamstrings. You know, and it's like, dude, you literally got, you literally got 60-something million dollars guaranteed out of a hundred-something million dollar deal. And you did nothing other than one playoff run. Yes, we won a Super Bowl in that playoff run. But where were you at? You know, where were you at last time? Where were you at the, you know, where were you at during the seasons, bro? Like, we we needed you. And you didn't show up in the most important parts, you know. And, and you didn't show up at all, to be honest, to be fair. But I don't know. He 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 projectively got worse. Every year from 2019 to 2020 to 2021. If you look at Frank Clark's stats, he got worse every year. And I thought maybe that was like going to tell them like, hey, we need to move on from this guy. Now, that wasn't the first move that Brett Veach made in the defense. The first move he made was cutting Anthony's, Anthony Bitchens' ass. And yes, I call him Anthony Bitchens because who fucking drops on a fucking run play. You saw that it was a run play. Why are you dropping into coverage, dog? Like, oh my God, he was so frustrating. I get he was the glue and I get that he lined everybody up. And he had some flash points, but he frustrated me a lot too. Anyways, back on the defensive line. Moving over to Chris Jones. You tried the little defensive end experiment with him in the uh, beginning of the year. It didn't fucking work. You, you, you saw that it didn't work the first two games. You should have been done with it right then and there. But yet, you allowed him to keep playing there. I get Frank was hurt. But dude, put that man in his natural spot. You know, he was graded bad in the earlier in the year because he was listed as a defensive end. So it, it just was, you know, it was not good. I I know everybody saw that Baltimore Ravens game and saw how Chris Jones looked. The dude literally was like left on skates and the ball literally went and zigzagged around him and he had no idea where he was. I love Chris Jones, but man, you wanted an Aaron Donald contract. You didn't get quite as much as he did, but you wanted some top money. And I mean, dude... I know you're a regular season guy. I know you get sacks in the regular season. I'm not saying you don't work in the regular season. 
you know, but there are a lot of times where I see that you you get lazy and you take some plays off. I also know that you have no sacks in the playoffs. That's a problem. That is a problem when you are commanding so much money. I get it. We don't have competent edge rushers to help you out. Maybe you wouldn't demand so much double teams and triple teams. I understand that. But, dude, you can't sit here and go out here and call yourself elite of the elite and that you know you're this and that if you know, you're know you not showing up in the biggest moments. You had three opportunities to get Joe Burrow. Three opportunities. And you let him. You let him go. That showed defeat. You literally showed defeat in yourself at every single time. And, you know, I'm not saying Joe Burrow's not a good quarterback and can't get, you know, past, you know, uh, uh, pressure. But I'm just saying, bro, the dude had the worst offensive line and he ate 11 sacks the week before. The whole defensive line couldn't get to him. So it wasn't just Chris Jones. But I'm just proving a point. I love Chris Jones. I, you know, I love his nickname, Stone Cold. He's a good dude. He's funny. He's a monster. In 2018, he had 15 and a half sacks, and I was hoping that maybe he could replicate that. Granted, he had D. Ford and Justin Houston off the edge, dudes who actually got to the quarterback and not just pressure at the quarterback because I'm Spagnolo. I just like to get pressure at the quarterback. No, I know the guy likes sacks, but he likes to say that shit. Anyways, let's get over to, you know, Derek Naughty. Now, I love Derek Naughty. Derek Naughty is a great run stuffing one tech. You know, sometimes he plays zero tech if he's lined up strictly in front of the center. But usually he's playing that one tech, which is like really tight, really tight from the center uh, in between the center and the guard. And he's usually your first and second down rush stuffer because he can kind of take on two to three blocks. He gets past them in the mean 2020. Yeah, in 2020, he had a good year. Derek Naughty was really good in the 2020 season. Um, he was good in the 2019 season, too. Um, now, the 20, but I also think that Xavier Williams, when we had him, he had a better pass rush as a one tech, zero tech uh, nose tackle or defensive tackle in, in a 4 3. It's a nose tackle, technically. Well, it technically can be a nose tackle in a 4-3, considering, depending on the scheme and the formation you got out there. Same thing. And then let's move over to Turk Wharton. Turk Wharton is a great rotational guy. But that's all he should be is a rotational guy. He's the guy that you bring in that when the line, the offensive linemen are gassed or tired and he's just got a high motor because he's a pit bull that's been sitting on the damn sideline itching play some uh itching to play and you let him out and maybe you know key third downs and stuff like that because he plays mainly interior i i may have seen him play edge a few times oh matter of fact when he picked that ball off in the washington game uh when he basically hauled it in on the uh the damn offensive lineman's shoulder pads i want to say he was probably at edge on that play and i mean that was an amazing play but that's Turk Warden. Now, you come down to Colin Saunders. Now, everybody had high hopes for this guy. I did, too. Being a small defense uh, division, uh, I want to say a D2 school. Yeah, small D2 school. I don't know. It was somewhere in Iowa, I believe. I could be wrong. I can't remember specifically. But anyways, 
he was a freak of nature athlete. I wouldn't say as athletic as Jordan Davis coming out of the damn draft, but he was athletic as fuck. And I think that's why Brett Veach was like, oh, he could be an experiment guy. You never know. I mean, if anybody has seen Colin Saunders, he's that dude has done some backflips and stuff like that. So, I mean, you had high hopes for him. I, you know, I think they're going to let him finish out his rookie deal. I am, I can imagine unless like, you know, he's, you know, I don't know. He gets hurt again. Cause that's been his issue. He just can't stay healthy and he hardly ever plays. Um, I want to jump back to Chris Jones real quick. I think this is it for Chris Jones though. If he does not get a sack or in the playoffs or does not pick it up, I, I can see him getting basically Tyreek killed, you know, Marcus Petered, Peters, <laughs> like, and I say that mean traded. And I know Marcus Peters didn't want to be in Kansas City anymore, but again, that was a great player that we traded away. And then obviously with the recency of trading Tyreek Hill. Um, but no, uh, call, you know, J- Jones, I, I really think that if he does not pick it up this year, I think that he could be traded next year. He could be traded next year. Um, cause his contract, he's going into his final year of his contract, I believe. Cause he got that extension after we won the Super Bowl. So no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so 2020 was his first year of that extension. Then last year, no, he's going into his third year of this extent of this extension. I take that back. So he's got one more year. So 2023 is his last year of that contract. I don't have his specific numbers looked up. Let me look at them real quick. I'll pull up spot track because that's really what I like to look up for. Uh, You can look up players' salaries. Now let's look up Chris Jones. Chris Jones, defensive tackle. Okay, I'm not going to subscribe because I don't need to. Okay, it's my computer's being a little slow, but um, I'm going to wait for it to pull up. But anyways, I think he's got some funny numbers coming up and and I I'm I'm telling you, I'm I Brett Veach is showing right now that he's getting a Bill Belichick mentality. He's ready to move on from guys if they're not going to show up, if they're not going to perform. You know what they need they need to do. Okay, I don't know why this isn't pulling up. Let me refresh real quick. Okay, never mind. There you What? Oh, that's not what we wanted. I don't know why it did that. Anyways, I don't know. It's probably not going to pull up right now. My computer doesn't like me at the moment. Um... Any uh Chris Jones, yeah, I think this is his this may be it for him. Um let's go down to uh Josh Kando. He was the rookie last year. Now I know he got hurt. I don't remember what his injury was, but he was on IR for a minute. And I don't even know if they reactivated him going into the playoffs. I think they just said, Hey, you're a rook, just come back next year and stuff like that. I could be wrong. He may have got some play time in the playoffs, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Again, he's a guy that, you know, is 
is he going to play? You never know. We don't know what you're going to get from him. He went through so many different scheme changes when he was at Florida State, so he never really had like a true dominant season, but he fit like that Spagnola prototype. And for whatever the maybe he was a senior bowl, you know, standout, uh, you know, that year that he was coming out, which was last year. So I don't know. I, I don't remember much about Josh Kando coming in the draft. So he he's he's basically a project. He's like Tano Passio. So it's kind of wait and see what you get with him. Uh, Mike Dana. Mike Dana's a high motor player. I I like Mike Dana. Um, I think any Chiefs fan would admit that. Uh, my co-host and buddy, Tyler Fortner, he's a big Mike Dana fan because he's got a high motor. He doesn't give up. And I, I said this in a previous a previous episode that why would you bring back Frank Clark and allow him to take up so much plays and not do anything with them? But you got guys like Mike Dana who just stand on the sideline who are itching to get in. And you know what? At least they have a high motor and don't stop. You know, they keep playing because, you know, they want to play. They want to take advantage of every opportunity, every opportunity that they get. And sometimes I wish I wish these damn players would understand that sometimes. Like the ones that are starting, the ones that are playing and taking up most of the damn snaps. It's frustrating. Um. Anyways, yeah, Mike Dana, he's a he he's. He came from, I think he went to Central Michigan and then he transferred to Michigan his senior year. Had one year with Michigan, played inside, outside. You know, again, kind of another experimental player, but hoping that he can be a good rotational piece. Um, Then you got Malik Herring. Now he's interesting. He, we got him last year. I don't remember how that happened. I don't remember, it was either last year or two years ago. I don't know if. He was undrafted or we we drafted him late, but he was already hurt by the time. I know he had a significant injury. He's a defensive end out of uh, Georgia, but he was really good at Georgia. I kind of forgot that he was on the roster, but if he's healthy next year, you never know. I mean, at this point, I'm ready to see whoever. Um, and then they just made a recent signing the other day, and I was uh, Stallworth. I want to say his first name is Taylor Stall uh, Taylor. Let me look that up. Hopefully, tw- I know Twitter's working for me. Um, oh, by the way, I got Chris Jones's contract details up. So yeah, he's going into twenty two right now, and you can get a well potential out is twenty as the twenty twenty three season, but that's his. Yeah, that's a potential out this year, going into next year. Yeah, so you don't have to take on his last year if you don't want to, because it's it's an he's getting a nineteen million dollar you know cap hit, or it's base salary. His, his base salary is nineteen million. See, they converted his uh they converted this year. Oh, it looks like that they did a um they did a conversion into roster bonus. Yep. Brett Veach probably did a conversion because they converted $18 million in roster bonus, and he only has uh, $3 million. So is the cap hit, ooh, well, the cap hit's still a $29 million cap hit, unless that was pre-change. I'm not 100% sure. But if that's still the cap hit, damn, that's still a lot. Um, I can imagine what it was prior if that's what, if that, if that's what it was before. 
Um, but next year he's going to make 19 million. I can imagine that they won't pay him that. Um, just because shit, I accidentally not, I accidentally clicked out of it. Oh, well, um, I can imagine they're not going to pay him that last year because why, if, if it's going to be the same production, you're going to see about six, seven sacks, nine sacks in the, in the, uh, the regular season, but nothing, then, you know, you might as well move on from him and get some value. Someone will take on his contract. I mean, it's Chris Jones, but he did come out and say that he wants to stay in Kansas City. So he might be that guy and say, hey, I'll take whatever restructure. And if he's willing to do that, fuck yeah, it's Chris Jones. You you still want him on the team. You just don't want him for that price if he's not going to play what he's what he should be playing like. It's the same with Frank Clark, like how we've had this issue with Frank Clark. Um, but let's move over to the linebacking core. And this is my favorite position. Um, Nick Bolton. Ooh, Nick Bolton. Oh man, Nick Bolton, man. That dude was, he surprised everybody. The linebacker out of Missouri. Um, and I am not a Mizzou fan, so it's rock chalk Jayhawk till I die. And yes, they are natty champions. Let's go, baby. Jayhawk till I die. Um, And I'm not from Kansas. I am from the Missouri side, but I am a huge Jayhawk fan. So fuck you. Um, Sorry. I'm sure there may be some Mizzou fans. They may listen to this. No disrespect to y'all. Anyways, uh, Nick Bolton. He uh he surprised everybody. He shocked the league. You know, he led the league. I want to say he led in rookies and tackles. He definitely, yeah, because he had over 130-something tackles. I want to say it was like 130-plus, and then he had over 10-plus 10, 10 tackles for loss. And I don't remember the last rookie to do that, but he, he, he definitely set some records this year, and he definitely made a statement. Now, you hope that there's not some sort of – setback or sophomore slump because he's taking over he's taking over the the spot he's he's basically anthony hitchens next year i mean you saw um a little bit of him taking over the green dot and he did well with it oh especially in that tennessee titans game he said look i don't see why everybody's scared to hit this dude if you just literally just run and hit him he will get rung up and honestly i mean i could be wrong I've really only seen Derrick Henry stiff people. I've never really seen him like actually like run a guy over, like lower his shoulder pad and drive his shoulder into a guy. I think a lot of guys are just because of how big he is. It's hard to like, you know, get your momentum to take him down. And you're worried about the stiff arm and you don't want to be on a highlight reel. So I completely get it. Um, A la Josh Norman. (laughs) And uh, many others, I'm sure. But Nick Bolton made him his bitch in that Tennessee Titans game. Although we got our asses spanked. uh, And the defense didn't allow a score in the second half, I don't believe. Yeah, they did it. I mean, the offense couldn't do shit that whole day. Um, And they were, oh, that was probably the worst I've ever seen Mahomes play in his career. I mean, I'm sure there's probably been worse games. I mean, other than that second half in the Cincinnati Bengals game. There's been some that was bad, but the defense looked nice in the second half, at least as far as Nick Bolton goes. 
Um, and I have high hopes from him. He's taken over for Anthony Bitchens. And yes, again, I will keep calling him Anthony Bitchens because he's soft and he sucked and he was sorry. Um, anyways, uh, let's move over to Willie Gay, uh, the juice man. Yeah, I've been seeing him call himself that on Instagram. Uh, he's a high motor. He's high energy. I've gone to plenty games and he's the one jumping on the damn field, trying to hype the crowd up. And you want guys like that on the defense. Now, he's a, he's a little raw still, I will say. He didn't have an offseason his, his rookie year because of uh, COVID. He was a COVID draft, draft pick. But he had an offseason this year, but he did battle a little bit of injuries, had a concussion, had the ankle injury. I believe it was an ankle injury. Um, and then, you know, he talked about his mental health, which I applaud him for in many ways. Mental health is, you know... It's a very important thing to take care of, and I highly recommend everybody keep theirs in check and at least try to, you know, and doing whatever you can to do that. That's it's important. And he was a man to admit that he had some, you know, had some things going on. But that's beyond the point. Willie Gay, you know, I think he's going to be a good linebacker on this team. I I don't think he's going to be, you know, and I could be wrong. I don't want to eat my words. I mean, I hope I eat my words, actually, because I want him to have an all-pro season. I just don't know if that will ever happen with Willie Gay. It could, I could be wrong. Um, he's just he's very fast that sometimes he overdoes a lot of things. I've seen him just over-pursue and, you know, miss a tackle because he's running like a 1,000 miles an hour, an hour and he's not, you know, wanting to probably lay the dude out. And he's made unbelievable tackles. You've seen the athleticism. You've seen the INTs. He's good at coverage. He can move sideline to sideline. I remember a specific play in the AFC title game where he tipped the. Uh, he was in coverage and he tipped the ball uh, out of. I don't know who ran across the middle, but he tipped it and Nick Bolton laid the dude out. I mean, and that's what I want to see out of this linebacking court. Those two are the future of this of this defense, and I want them to build the defense around those two guys. You want to stud linebackers. Look, you know, look at guys like uh, uh, what is it? Lance Britton. No, is it Lance Briggs? Yeah, Lance Briggs and Brian uh, Brian Erlacher. Those two were dominant. Or Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. Or um, damn, uh, you know, even outside linebackers. But this is not. I'm not talking about a pass rush, but just a tandem in general. I'm sure there's more tandems. Oh, Desmond Bishop and uh, freaking AJ Hawk. So you know, you got you got or uh, uh, Luke Keekley and uh, Char- Charles. Not Charles. Is it Charles Davis? I don't remember the linebacker's name off the top of my head right now. I'm having a completely not Charles Davis. Uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now. Um, I know he's a senior, um, but he uh, he was a tandem with Luke Keekley, and those guys were good. He was number fifty eight. I know everybody knows who I'm talking about. I just can't think of his name right now, and that's what I hope that Nick Bolton and Willie Gay can grow into. Um, we recently signed a uh, linebacker, Jermaine Carter. Uh, he came from Carolina. Uh, saw a lot of Carolina fans saying, uh, he's a guy that misses a lot of tackles. But 
from what I'm saying, from what I'm seeing, if I look, I looked at some of you know his highlights. I didn't really look at too much Carolina film. You know, he played every position, like every like all three spots in the linebacking core. They ran like a multiple D, but mainly ran a four three. Um, they and with like a pass rushing like will linebacker, some some sort of like position like that. Um, oh, what was I gonna say? Uh, he played the Mike, Will, and Sam. So I believe that if you're the ch- the more chance the more chances are that you're on the field is the more chances that or the more times you're on the field the higher the chance that you you know you could miss some tackles. I'm not saying that he doesn't miss a lot of tackles. Again, I didn't watch his film like that, but he plays every position on in the linebacking core. So he seems like he's a very you know IQ type player. And from what it seems like, he was the Mike mainly. So he called the defense in Carolina. So he is an IQ player. If he's a guy who can drop in coverage, he may be that third linebacker that they're that they're looking for. They moved on from Ben Neiman. Thank God. I mean, dude, like, and watch. They watch. They just bring him back because of I said that. And the only reason why I say that because it's like, dude was just unathletic. I get the dude had an IQ, but he just, he couldn't. He just couldn't do anything. Like he couldn't do anything with that IQ. So that's he was good his first year with us. Um, and I'll give him a little bit in 2019. But when they asked him to put on a lot of weight, that's when he got worse. Um, and then they signed Elijah Lee. I think I mentioned him last week um, as one of the free uh, recent free agent signings that we had got. And you know, depth. You know, special teams guy probably. I I don't know him personally, but. Um, we went, you know, we played against each other in high school. Uh, he's very freaking nature athlete, local guy, went to blue Springs high school, I believe. So that's cool. He, again, that's cool that he gets to play for his hometown team. Um, and then, so let's go over to the secondary. Uh, and this has kind of been the question of everything. And we're going to look at the cornerbacks. Um, and let's start with Rashad Fenton. Rashad Fenton actually was, surprisingly graded as one of the top corners pretty much all year until he got hurt for a little bit. Uh, yeah, he was ranked second, you know, right behind uh, Jay, or it was either JC Jackson was at number one or Jalen Ramsey was at number one. I couldn't remember. Um, but yeah, he was a high graded. I, you know, he did his job. He locked guys up. Now, towards the end of the year, he was getting a lot of penalties and I was... Excuse me. Sorry, I've been gassy a little bit today. Um, Fenton's, he started giving up a lot of plays, especially some to Jamar Chase. Now, Jamar Chase picked on Ward a lot more, but in the AFC title game, Fenton gave up one of those touchdowns, and it bugged me when he was clapping his hands afterwards. I'm like, dude, like I get you're saying, like, okay, okay, I see how it's going to be, but, dude, we're seeing how it is. Not how it's going to be. We're seeing how it is, and you just got scored on, and that's not something we wanted. Fenton's good. I think he can be a little too – I think he could be a little too aggressive sometimes, kind of like how Breland was. Breland got a little aggressive at times. You know, I get we preach the man press, but, dude, sometimes, you know, you you have to be, like, sneaky with it. Not saying Fenton isn't good. Fenton is good. He's only 5'11", so he's not – 
what you typically want in cornerbacks nowadays. You want cornerbacks at least six, I mean, six foot and five limb are kind of essentially the same in essence, but um, six one, six two, you want them to be as tall as receivers are. You know, they pretty much have to be that way because receivers will just high point over them if they're too small. Um, let's go over to LeJerry Sneed. LeJerry Sneed was that jack of all trade, you know, guy that you, that dime in the rough that you drafted in the, uh, fourth round, I believe. Yeah. In the 2020 draft, he was another, another COVID pick. He took over for Breland. And when Breland was suspended his first three games, he did well on outside. I think, I think Sneed is better on the outside. I'm not saying you can't play him in the nickel, this depends on who is in the nickel. He gave up a touchdown in the Buffalo Bills game, but I do believe he pro. I think he got a late call. I think uh, Sorensen was late to tell him his job and what he needed to do, and the, the receiver just ran right by him. And granted, you're getting you were getting the advice from Sorensen. Um, but anyways. Uh, Sneed, I think he's better on the outside as far as like boundary corner. But I think you can bring them in still on, you know, those third down plays sometimes, you know, in the nickel or, you know, if you're in a dime and you can blitz them. I think they they did that a lot in his rookie year, but they hardly they did it maybe a couple times last year. And, you know, Steve was good. Um, he missed some games throughout the middle of the year. Uh, he lost his older brother. That was sad. Um, my heart goes out to him and his family still, you know, for that, you know, it's, it's never easy losing family members, especially someone that that close to you. Um, but yeah, no, let's go into, uh, DeAndre Baker. Now we all had hopes for this guy. He was a former first round pick. One of those guys that Brett Veach wanted to save for, you know, from, you know, that got cut from a team. Um, because he just didn't fit there or he got in trouble, which this that was DeAndre's case. He got in trouble, so the Giants released him. Um, and then he ends up getting signed by Kansas City. Now, unfortunately, towards the end of the year, the 2020 season, he broke his leg. And he came back a little slow the 2021 season. Matter of fact, he only played. He came in really only if they had Mike Hughes in the game. It was when Charvarius Ward was missing some games in the beginning of the season. And when Mike Hughes was getting dogged on, then they would bring DeAndre Baker in. Then he would show some flashes, and then he would get shitted on too. So it was like, for him, I can understand, you know, it, it, he probably needed some time. And I completely understand that. Um, and then let's look into the... Uh, uh, other corner, one of the free small free agents that we signed, I think his name is Luke Barcooks, uh, corner out of um, Jacksonville. Nothing too special. He'll probably be, you know, a gunner, probably play like uh, what Chris Lammons played on um, special teams. And that's that's good. That's a position that you need. You need to fill. So uh, hopefully we can get all that figured out. Let's move on to the safeties. As of right now, you only have four guys, I believe, on the active roster for safety, unless they move Devin Key up from the practice squad. And I could be wrong, but I truthfully believe there's only four guys on the active roster. Um, and that's Juan Thornhill, Justin Reed, Deion Bush, and Zane Anderson. Now let's start with Juan Thornhill. He's the only, you know, safety that's 
uh, been there since the beginning of the defensive overhaul in 2019 and winning a Super Bowl. Um, we saw who Thornhill was his rookie year. Unfortunately, tears the ACL and has to try to come back. Was a little slow coming back in the 2020 season. You know, we had a little bit of flashes in the beginning of the year, but they didn't want to overdo it. Um, and I think going into last offseason, it seemed like they had no confidence in him and or whatever the case may be. Or they they just, I, I don't know if it was like a tactic just to get him to push himself a little bit more. Maybe they thought, hey, this dude's probably just soaking in and on his injury. We may need to, you know, push him a little bit more to kind of get him back on the field playing at a higher level. And he showed some flashes. He missed some lot of, he missed a lot of tackles. Uh, he made some business decisions, but he also cracked a few people. I mean, I remember in the uh, the first play of the Sunday night game against the Broncos, he laid uh, Devontae Williams out. I think this the running back's name is Devontae Williams. But yeah, he, he, he laid him out. So he could be a good run, run supporting safety. I mean, depending on how you want to use him. I think that ACL tear may have limited his like speed abilities. He's probably not as fast as he was his rookie year. Um and I don't I can't remember if he got any I don't know if he got an I, INT at all last year. I know there was that one where he had came close but Sorensen snatched it from him. Um no, yep, he did. I lied. He he got one in that damn fucking Broncos game, but they had him in the robber role. role. Uh, so I don't know. There's, there's just so many ways you can, you can probably use Thornhill at this point, as long as you're confident in him not getting beat deep. He got beat deep bad in the, the Bills game. I don't know what the fuck happened, but it was bad. Everybody got beat in the secondary. It wasn't just him, but Thornhill, he could be one of those guys where like, Hey, we thought, unfortunately, you tore your knee and you just haven't been the same guy since your rookie year. We're just not going to go ahead and give you a second contract. We're going to move on from you. That can be an unfortunate thing because you know what? I think all of Chiefs Kingdom would agree that we all had hopes for Juan Thornhill. And, I mean, I could be wrong. I could be eating my words. The dude could come out and ball next year for all we know. And I hope that. Then let's go on to Justin Reed. Justin Reed's our new free agent signing that we had. Um, you know, he signed a three year, 31 and a half million, 10 and a half year. You know, I don't know the guarantee, the much of the guaranteed, but you know, he's very athletic safety, can play a lot of single high. He's fast. He can lay the wood on people. Um, he, I don't want to say he was exactly Tyron Matthews replacement because there will never be another Tyron Matthew. But as far as like that safety role, I think that may be where Justin Reed is, but who knows? I'm going to get in a little bit more Tyron Matthew later. Uh, there's been some more news coming coming out about him. Um, all right, let's go into Deion Bush. Deion Bush is that one of the uh, free agents that we signed out from Chicago. And some are saying that he could be Sorensen's replacement. I looked at his build. He's not as big as Sorensen, but they said that Chicago brought him up a lot in box, a lot of box uh, safety sets where, you know, you maybe a lot, a little bit more dime where you got one linebacker out there, three safeties, three corners. Um, and he was probably like that, that more athletic 
safety slash linebacker, whatever you want to call it, that can overhang and drop or, you know, run out to the flat. Who knows? He could also be just a camp body and, you know, a special teamer for all we know. And then let's get into old good old Zane Anderson. Good old boy from BYU showing some flashes or showing some shades of his father, Daniel Sorensen, who's also from BYU, who's been with the Kansas City Chiefs for nine years, who, um, you know, was undrafted and like Zane Anderson was undrafted. And Andy Reid, I'm sure Andy Reid was behind all this. Um, no, Zane Anderson hasn't gotten in on defense like like that yet. Uh, he's ba- played mainly special teams and he's caused kind of two costly penalties when he when he did play. Now, t- Coach Tobe, Dave Tobe said, you know, we love him. He's good where he's at. He just had a couple bonehead moves. Basically, I think he was like saying like he's a rookie. That shit's going to happen. But hey, man, don't be doing that shit. We do not need another Daniel Sorensen. I'm not saying this dude isn't going to be a Daniel Sorensen, but he wears number 39. That's just 10 numbers down from Sorensen. He could be coming in 49 next year for all we know. If you look at a picture in his damn Instagram, it's a picture of him running backwards or like just in a run. He literally looks like what Daniel Sorensen looks like on game day. You would think they were spitting image guys. It is funny, but no, that's Zane Anderson for you. Um, so, I mean, I definitely think the secondary is going to look so much different, especially with Honey Badger not back. Uh, I don't know if this cons- is considered Thornhill's secondary or Reed's secondary. We don't know, but going over you know, all this, it looks like as far as the defensive line goes, I don't know if Brett Veach is like, you know what? The difference is going to come from the draft. I'm going to keep the players that we have, most of them, but the difference is going to come with some of those draft picks, and that may be true. I don't know. I don't see us drafting a linebacker. If we do, it probably be super late or it'll be an undrafted guy. Um, I hope they can bring Melvin Ingram back. That's kind of a hope. Uh, he elevated the defense when he was playing, and you know, I want to say his first game was against the Packers. Uh, yeah, and moving forward with him, it was you saw the difference. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there needs to be a complete dramatic overhaul of the defense, but there needs to be new faces. There has to be young faces, and I think that's what Brett Veach was preaching: is that hey, I can't have old guys on this team anymore. It's costing us. I need to get more younger, and I need to get athletic. All right, guys, we're gonna go ahead and get into the mock draft when we get back. All right, Chiefs Kingdom, now it's time to get into Mock Draft, Mock Draft 2.0. And before I start the draft, I actually proposed a trade to get into the top 10, and it was accepted. I actually got the 10th overall pick from the New York New York Jets. Um, and how I got that draft pick, I traded our 29th and 30th overall pick, our 103rd pick in the third round, um, and then one of our sevenths this year. So I basically gave him four picks this year. And I want to say a fourth and a fifth round pick next year. So four picks this year and two picks next year. And just to get their 10th overall pick. 
because I heard there's been, I don't want to say heard, I've been seeing that there's been some rumors that we could possibly be trading into the top 10, at least trying to maybe. Now, those could be just rumors. I don't think that, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. It may not. Um, he may just roll with the 29th and 30th overall pick, or he may just trade one of them. Who knows? But I wanted to get into the top 10, so I wanted to see what players would be there. Um, I'm just going to go best player available. I'm going to look at receiver and edge. That's probably the two positions I'm only going to look at for this pick. So we'll see who's there at number 10. So let's go ahead and start the draft. All right. Time for me to go. All right. So right now, it looks like <laughs> I'm stuck with Jamison Williams or Jermaine Johnson. I mean, honestly, I have a second round pick. You can probably, I still have a second round pick. So, I mean, I can possibly see if there could be a receiver still there in the second round, or I can see what edges are left. Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to go ahead and go Jamison Williams. I, I He's a generational player. It's just you, you don't you don't move. You can't not look past that guy if you do make it in the top 10 somehow, if you can work a trade out like that. So we're going to go ahead and draft Jamison Williams at number 10. You are now a Kansas City Chief, Jamison. Welcome to Kansas City. You will be getting thrown you'll be getting the ball thrown to you from the best quarterback in the fucking league Mr. Patrick Mahomes. All right, so now we're into our um our pick in the second round and we're going to go edge of course and we're going to go ahead and take the best player available and that's Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. And I like Boye Mafe. I explained who he was in the last mock. I'm not going to really get too much in his details. He's a good spags type. Um, look at his film. His film is pretty decent. I think he has a high motor. Can be really, really dominant in this defense. Um, we have a trade offer for the 62nd pick. We're going to go ahead and reject that. I'm done with trades. I'm going to go ahead and just uh, take on through. I'm going to look at the offense just to look at, you know, receivers just to see who was there. You know, Christian Watson still there. George Pickens, uh, Mechie, but nah. We're going to go ahead and go back to the defense. Look at cornerback. And we're going to go ahead and take Kobe Bryant because that's the guy that I really want. So Kobe Bryant at pick number 62. Everybody knows who Kobe Bryant is. I think I believe. Oh, actually, I did not pick him in our last, uh, last mock. I actually took Tariq Woolen. So, yeah, uh, Kobe Bryant, he was opposite side of Sauce Gardner. And we all know who Sauce Gardner is. But they say a lot about Kobe Bryant. And, yes, it's. It is Kobe Bryant, but it's not spelled like the Mamba Kobe Bryant. Um, all I know is they say he's not flashy, but he's a workhorse and he's very, very fundamental and he's sound. And that's what you need in defense. You know, he'll you know, it looks like he's a smart player. Uh, they said he use, utilizes terrific hips and even better understanding of offensive route combinations to his advantage. So he's smart, and that's what you need, especially in a complicated defense that Spagnuolo likes to run. So, uh, Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati, you are getting drafted at pick number 62 to the Kansas City Chiefs. Going into the third round now. Actually, don't think I 
have oh yeah yeah I do have a third round because I only traded the hundred and third pick. So my ninety fourth pick, we're gonna go over. I think I'm gonna stick with defense really. Um, let's go look at the edges still. You got Isaiah Thomas. Uh, he's an inside outside guy. I mean, I can draft him for depth. I'm I'm gonna look at the D tackles. Looks like you got Matthew Butler out of Tennessee. Uh, they don't have any uh. You know, they don't have any news on him or anything like that. Let's look at Chris Hinton. He's a guy out of Michigan. Um, they said his size uh, stands out first. Uh, they said he's not overwhelming or anything like that. Uh, they said he's built like an offensive lineman. Oh, they could be a guy where they may switch him. Uh, you don't want that. Okay. Um, let's go back to safety. You got Nick Cross still. I wonder if I can get him, though, in the fourth round. I may be able to get him in the fourth round. Yeah, I don't know. Let's let's see. Let's see. Let's go ahead and wait on the safety. I'm going to go ahead and look at linebacker and see who we have. Let's look at Leo Chanel. Um, he is 6'2", 255. Wow, he is huge. Um, he's a dangerous blitzer. Eh, we don't need that. That's a big guy. He's more of a run thumper out of uh Wisconsin. Darion Beavers. They don't have. They don't have him. Does Demone Clark? Um, he didn't live up to the exp. Oh, don't want that. No, they don't. Mm, no, they don't have any good guys at linebacker. Okay, we're going to go back to edge, and we're going to go ahead and draft Isaiah Thomas. Um, like I said, if you look at his film, he's an inside-outside guy. He played uh, a lot of uh, three-tech, uh, but he also played a little bit of wide nine off the edge. He's not flashy, but he's a guy who can get pressure. Um, they said that he exploded in his redshirt junior campaign. Uh, he racked up 12 tackles for losses, 31 tackles. He uh, had seven and uh, half sacks. So that's that's very good. And they say, yeah, they said that he's versatile. He could play DT or DE. So we're going to go ahead and draft Isaiah Thomas out of Oklahoma, the edge, at pick uh, 94. Congratulations, Isaiah Thomas. And no, it's not the basketball players, Isaiah Thomas. Well, it looks like we're getting a big trade offer from uh, L.A., and they want to give us a boatload of picks for pick 121 and seventh-round pick. So we're going to go ahead and deny that. Like I said, I'm going to go ahead and just pick on through. We're at pick 121 of the fourth round, and then we have pick 135 left, On I want to say, because we don't have a fifth-round pick at all. Yep, so we just have two more picks left. And uh, let's go ahead and give, get what's one, 121. Let's go ahead and go back to the safeties. And I'm going to go ahead and draft Nick Cross at um, 121. Now, I drafted Nick Cross last week on my draft, mock draft. And I already explained a lot about him. He's fast. He's uh, long. Uh, he, can, he's, he can play deep. He can play a little bit of... Um, I don't want to say robber, but he can kind of come up and play like the uh, the deep thirds and stuff like that. He can probably come up into the flat uh, kind of cloud, look, do a little bit of cloud coverages um, or quarter flat plays. 
you could probably actually have him be a little bit of like a versatile safety corner, probably have him play a little bit nickel. Um, but he might play a little bit more into the dime if we get him because he's got a lot of range. So if they're going to run a lot of three safety sets, you know, he may be a good player to have in that. So we're going to go ahead and take Nick Cross at 121. Pick 121, the safety out of Maryland. Congratulations, Nick Cross. All right, guys, coming up to our final pick of the draft. Um, we can go ahead and go to a linebacker. And I'm going to go ahead and take, uh, I took James Houston last time. Um, well, he's a pass rusher. Honestly, we need pass rush and he could be a third down guy. And I really, really like him, even though he came, you know, he went to an H HBCU school, um, played under uh, uh, Deion Sanders. That's his school, Jackson State out in Mississippi. Um we're going to take him because we need that pass rush. So congratulations, James Houston the fourth. I took you last week. I'm going to go ahead and take you again this week. It's going through the simulation, just trying to finish up the draft. And again, guys, I only did the first uh, five rounds or just because, we A, we didn't even have a fifth-round pick for one. And I don't even think we had a sixth. And we had a whole bunch of sevenths. I traded one of those sevenths um, to the Jets. So to recap uh, Mock Draft 2.0, uh, I, like I said, I made a trade with the New York Jets just to get to the uh, 10th pick. And hey, look, we did that for Mahomes. And look where Mahomes is. So hopefully the same luck can come from Jamison. I know he's coming off the ACL tear, but they say that his recovery is looking nice. So we took Jamison Williams uh, out of the receiver out of Alabama, pick number 10 the, out of the trade from New York. Then at uh, 50, uh, or first pick in the second round, I took Boye Mafe, the edge out of Minnesota. Then at pick 62, the second pick from in the second round, I took Kobe Bryant, the cornerback out of Cincinnati. Uh, pick number 94 and the third round, I took Isaiah Thomas, the edge, and then uh, going into the uh, fourth round, I took uh, Nick Cross, the safety out of Maryland. And then our last pick of the fourth round, I took James Houston, the fourth, the edge rusher slash linebacker out of Jackson State. Um, yeah, this is a good draft. Like I said, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing mock drafts leading up into the actual NFL draft. I may take some repetitive players because I like them. I I pretty much only drafted defense uh, other than Jamison. Jamison was our only guy. Like I took a, two edge rushers, a corner, a safety, and a, actually technically three edge rushers. One's considered a linebacker, but he's like an edge, like kind of that hybrid guy. Probably like what Melvin Ingram was. And maybe they might be like, hey, he'll be cheaper than Melvin Ingram because he'll be playing on a super cheap rookie deal. Um, Jamison will be the only guy that'll be getting a fifth year option out of all his, um, I, cause I believe, I don't, I think first round picks are the only guys that can get fifth year options. I could be totally wrong on that, but who knows? Well, guys, we kind of went through that mock draft pretty quick. Uh, it was a lot faster than last week's. Um, but yeah, like I said, we're going to be doing a lot more, uh, leading up to the real draft. All right, Chiefs Kingdom, to finish up this episode with some other news, um, I wanted to touch base on the Tyree Kill trade, just a little bit of a detail on it. 
Uh, Matt Verderam actually reported in his latest episode of, I don't know if it was Stacking the Box or the Arrowhead Attic podcast, um, but he mentioned that Tyreek Hill, you know, didn't like it wasn't like he told Kansas City, I want out, I want to go somewhere else. I was under the impression that he wanted to be in Miami. I think where the misconception came, and this is what Verderam was trying to explain, was that when when they realized that they couldn't pay him the money that he was asking for and realized that, hey, I guess the trade is uh, trading him would be the only option and allowing him to seek that, um, they picked two teams that they thought were valuable trade partners or who were worthy trade partners. And those two teams happened to be New York and Miami. And then they gave Tyreek Hill the choice between those two teams. So it wasn't like Tyreek Hill flat out and came and told Kansas City, I don't want to be here anymore. They just said, we can't pay you what you're asking for. So I guess our only option is to trade you because you want to be the highest paid in every metric. And he said that. That's what Tyreek Hill said. He did say he wanted to be the highest paid in every metric. And I guess I guess that's wherever that may have been. Um, obviously, New York and Miami, the only two teams that were willing to give up what they were giving up for Tyreek Hill. Um, I guess those were the only two teams that were also going to be willing to pay him big bucks. And I'm sure Miami probably would have been the one team that would have paid him more. I don't know. New York could have paid him more, too. But yeah, that was just one little detail about that, that I wanted to uh, touch base on. I mean, just to kind of correct myself um, and I'm sure to correct a lot of people out there who believed that Tyreek Hill actually wanted out of Kansas City because it sounded like he just was done with Kansas City based off of his interview. But at the same time, I don't know the man personally. I don't want to put words in his his mouth. So I'm going to take Matt Verderam, who's an actual insider, his word for it. And he talks to a lot of people who are, you know, inside the, you know, who work in the office. Um, also, uh, I didn't touch base onto this last week, but because uh, it, it's kind of a thing that happened. I want to say it happened a week ago. Uh, it was the overtime rule change and it got voted on by every NFL team. Every NFL team agreed upon it. Um, that now every both teams get each have an opportunity to score, you know, regardless if the first team scores a touchdown um, in the playoffs. Now, they're not going to do it in the uh, regular season because it's it's regular season, but they're going to do it in the playoffs. Now, as a Chiefs fan, this should piss you off. Absolutely should piss you off. As an NFL fan, a guy who person who just loves watching great football games, this should this should be awesome. This is an awesome rule change. Um, as a Chiefs fan, the reason why this sucks is because why couldn't this have been a rule change when we had proposed it back when Mahomes had suffered the same because they were using this year's game against Buffalo as the justification for the rule change. Why wasn't our game against Tom Brady, you know, a justification? Well, that game, and I'm going to, again, I'm going to take Matt Verderam's word, Matt Verderam's words on this. You, you notice that I say his name a lot just because I, I like listening to him. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of his. 
Uh, he's a really good insider. You know, he's funny as fuck too. I, I like the New York accent. It's it's just it's just he's just a cool guy. He sounds like a cool guy. I I would like to like have lunch with this guy sometime if that ever can possibly happen. Maybe one day. Who knows? Um, I actually tweeted at him about you know the irony of of uh him having uh, his his soon to be daughter who actually I'm sure was probably recently born um or is going to be born this weekend or it was last week and I can't remember what he said um she has the same name as my mother and I was texting my mother her you know her name is Genevieve I was texting her as I was listening to uh his uh podcast stack in the box and he had just said that his daughter their daughter's name was going to be Genevieve. So I thought that was cool. Anyways, um Matt Verderham explained about the overtime rules saying that he uh uh basically the reason why they didn't change it back then is because if you looked at the quality of the 2018 game it was kind of an ugly game in the beginning. Mahomes was slow in the first half. He was, you know, the same. It was like the same uh, way he played against them earlier in that year. Just was slow in the first half, made critical mistakes, and then turned it on the second half. Yeah, he made it a very competitive game at the end. And as a Chiefs fan, that's like, well, fuck. Like it was a competitive game. Why couldn't we have got that favorite favoritism? But you know. Matt said, Verram said that it, you know, it just it it came down to the quality of the game. The quality of that game was not nearly as much as the quality for um as much as the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs game. And that wasn't discredit. I don't think the NFL was trying to slap Kansas City in the face. I think they were just looking at the quality of the game. And and if you look at the 2018 game, anybody will tell you that that AFC championship game will never live up to the 13 second divisional round game that happened. And I was there to witness that. And I will always forever believe that that was probably the probably I don't want I, I can't say it was probably the greatest game. Maybe it's been the greatest game I've ever witnessed in person. I wouldn't say the greatest game I've seen on TV. Um but in person, just because of the the situation itself and the dramatic, you know, the dramatic parts of that situation of that game. Um, but yeah, they made uh, the overall overtime rules have changed. Each team gets a possession in overtime uh, in the postseason. Now, I think the New York Giants proposed this trade. I'm, I'm not sure if that tra- uh, trade, did I say trade? If I've been saying trade the la- last few minutes in this, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I guess I'm still got the mock draft and everything in my mind and stuff like that. So I meant rule change. Um, what was I getting at? The New York Giants were, they wanted to implement a part of this rule change. And I think their part of the rule change was um, if the first team who scores a touchdown decides that they want to go for a two point conversion instead of a field goal, they complete a two point conversion that that will end the game. Um, now that's a gamble move if you do that, because if you don't complete it and then they go down and score, they just need to kick a field goal and then they win the game or PAT and then they win the game. Um, but I like that rule because 
if a, your defense can't stop, I understand they're gassed and, and if they give up a touchdown. But if you can't stop a damn two-point conversion, you're, you, you, you shouldn't be playing no more. You shouldn't. You shouldn't because you're, you're tired. You're defeated. You're not going to play hard anyways. Um, I don't think that that part of the rule change got implemented. I could be wrong. I didn't really look up much of the rule change anyways because I don't really pay attention to the rules. The shit changes every fucking year. And some of them are bullshit rules anyways. Um, and the, and, you know, the Buffalo Bills, of course, they were the big advocates, you know, of the rule chains in general, because yes, they were the ones who got affected in the negative way. But guess what? When we wanted to implement this rule, everybody knows this, but when we wanted to implement this rule after the 2018 season, the Buffalo Bills were the first ones to say, oh, fuck you. So guess what? A lot of Chiefs fans want to say to Buffalo, oh, fuck you. But it doesn't matter. They're... They got, you know, the rule changed. It'll benefit a lot of teams in the league, especially if you're just a football fan in general. It'll benefit you because, hey, that means more competitive games or more dramatic endings. Then, like I said, the NFL, it's like they want, like, parody. They want to be like WWE. They want that that crazy dramatic dramaticness. Um and speaking of, you know, on Buffalo Bills, Stephon Diggs, and he got his contract extension. He actually got paid from them already, uh, but he got another extension. And I'm actually going to look up his uh, trade or tra- I keep trade, not trade details. I'm going to look up his contract details. Stephon Diggs. Latest. I'll sure it'll be fine. I'll sure to be able to find the. I mean, he wants to be a. Uh, it looks like he wants to be a. You know, a bills for bills for life. I mean, this is gonna basically put him at retirement mode. He had his rookie contract with Minnesota. He had one more year left of it. I want to say he got extended immediately from uh, Buffalo, and then they just extended him another four years. Okay, that's in Spanish. So I don't want to do that. So we got a four-year, $104 million extension. Um, I want to say $70 million of that was in guaranteed. So uh, whatever he's getting in three to four years, he's getting, you know, that maybe out of the three years, he's getting the 70 guaranteed. I don't know how much is going to come after that 100 and, or that last year. I'm not going to go and look too much in his trade. Uh, t- God, I keep saying trade. Uh, his contract details. I'm not going to go uh, super deep into that. I just wanted to tell you guys like that was probably the latest uh, big contra- contract extension that happened this week. Um, uh, as far as Chiefs Kingdom goes, now... President uh, Mark Donovan, uh, he came out and there were some talks about a potential stadium move. Now, when I say potential, that means potential. That doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. Um, he has said that, hey, we've Kansas proposers have been throwing a lot of ideas at us and we've, you know, we've kept things in the back of our mind. We know that this is a historical place in, you know, in Kansas City and 
the last thing we want to do is, you know, ruin a legacy that was brought to here by the founder of this team. I think they all know that this is a Missouri team, regardless of the attraction over in Can- the Kansas side, because if they were to move over there, they would go over to the Legends. It makes sense. The uh, Sporting KC's and the Legends, and they have so much over there. It would, and, you know, it, you, could, you could hold a Super Bowl there, essentially, if, you know, especially if they built a dome. I mean, they, the NFL told Kansas City, we'll let you host a Super Bowl if you have a dome, if you have a retractable dome. Like, Kansas City gets cold during the uh, winter. So, you know, it. they don't, you know, they want guys to be able to play in warm weather now, you know, to be more comfortable on the field. Uh, I want to say the I want to say they, they the last time they played I want to say they played a Super Bowl in MetLife. I don't remember the last Super Bowl that was held in MetLife, but you got to imagine that's in that's in New York, New Jersey, you know, and in the middle of February, it's cold as hell. Um, unless I don't know if they unless they have a retractable dome I, that I don't know of. I've always thought MetLife was an outside uh, stadium, uh, but. With that being said, they're not going to move. I honestly think that Kansas, yeah, Kansas is willing to throw the bag at at uh, Arrowhead or at the Chiefs organization in general to move Arrowhead or to essentially build a new stadium. I don't know if it would be called Arrowhead still. Um, and I think a lot of that was just to kind of force or just to put Missouri on notice like, hey, they're willing to throw us the bag. What are you guys going to do? And Missouri's going to they're going it's just going to make us taxpayers have to pay more money. That's all what it's going to come down to. We're going to pay more money to fund it, but hey, we love sports, so we kind of do it to ourselves at the end of the day. We're all, we we get tied into do it even though we don't even know what's happening. We we just move on with life. Um but Another thing with Kaufman uh, moving downtown, because, yeah, that's what's going to happen. The Royals have said it clear that they have intentions of uh, moving the stadium to uh, downtown uh, Kansas City. I don't know how that dynamic's going to be. But with that being said, guess what Guess what we can do? We can just go and knock Kaufman down, basically either A, rebuild Arrowhead there, or rebuild what you have now and make it a lot bigger and better and then basically build like a a a party you know like I don't want to say a party town but like basically like a a you know like a basically a whole mall area like the legends build like an area like the legends because if you look over there there's just a Denny's and a lonely jury in there's nothing and you don't know if you're in fucking independence or raytown so <laughs> I know they're like, well, Independence, Missouri, do we really want to be here forever? Um, If they're going to knock down Kauffman Stadium and build, you know, there and make it bigger than what it is now and where they can have a dome and this and that or a retractable dome, then that would make sense. They would be they would be in here in the Missouri side, you know, moving forward. Now, if they don't, they don't do anything um, they don't make any renovations here. They might do one more renovation, but hey, the lease is up in I want to say nine years, not nine more years because they had a ten year contract and it's nine more years with GHA and all them their sponsor. 
And if we don't throw the bag out, they're going to the Kansas side. And if they do, we won't see that until the 2030s. It may not happen until the end of uh, Mahomes' contract. But anyways, that's that's a little bit on the stadium move. We don't have to worry about it now. So uh, moving forward, and I know I've been kind of talking about this guy a little bit often. I don't want to sound like a you know a Tyron Matthew apologist, but there's been some new more news coming out about Tyron Matthew, and uh, I wanna I wanna kind of take it back a few days ago. I got into a little argument with a guy on Twitter dude who made absolutely no fucking sense. And again, I'm not trying to sound like a Tyron Matthew apologist. But when you say things or you're trying to you're trying to create narratives when you don't actually have a fact be, to back it up or a source to back it up, it, it bugs me. You know, the narrative went around that this guy came out and said like I want to be the highest paid safety everywhere. Not one tweet ever that I saw. Maybe he tweeted it one day and like one day in the afternoon and d- decided I wanted to delete it 15 minutes later and it was too late. Everybody took it and ran with it. I have never once seen Tyron Matthew ever come out and say that I want to be the highest fucking paid safety and you're going to pay me that and I demand that. No, he has never said that. Now, the narrative is because of who he is, because of his name, you know there's a high value there. So fans just assume with that being said that they're actually going out and claiming what their value is. Now, some players may actually do that, but I have never once seen Tyron Matthew ever come out and just egoly say, Oh, I want to be the highest paid safety. I'm better than everybody. No, he's never done that. I remember at the NFL honors honors uh, ceremony, you know, they asked him, you know, what do you think is going to happen? He's like, you know, I would love to stay in Kansas City. I hope we can work on a deal. I mean, Kansas City's my home. I love it here. You know, we just got to see what everything looks like. And you can take what you can read that that however you want to read it. I'm reading that as that man wants to be in Kansas City. He built a, he's building he wanted to build a legacy here. And in my opinion, I think you don't overpay him, but you pay him respectfully even if it's just on a one-year deal. I mean, I know a lot of guys they want longevity, but you know, and another thing is too. And <laughs> So it came out today that he basically admitted that he was hurt. He was hurt and depressed that Kansas City didn't offer him a contract. Now, before I get into why I feel like they didn't offer him a contract and why I know they didn't offer him a contract, because I've heard many Chiefs insiders say why they didn't offer him a contract. Um, and it, I can tell you right now, it, it's not because of his gameplay. It is not because of his gameplay. Um, Tyron Matthew, when, uh, I forgot what I was going to get at this, uh, the narrative, the narrative that's been going out with what he said today is that, oh, now, now he's finally coming to his senses that he's not worth what he's asking for. Oh, you should have took the cheaper deal when you had the chance too late, bud, you know, and it's like. When people make comments like that and I see that shit, 
It's like, you sound so fucking entitled. Like, who are you? Who are you? A regular person. Guess what? That sits on the fucking couch and watches the game like the rest of us. For you to sit here and say like, oh, too late, bud. You had your chance. Like, you work for the fucking team and you make all the fucking decisions. Fuck you. So... That's what fucking that that's what fucking bugs me is these fucking stupid narratives that have been coming out about him. You know, let's just why don't we why can't we believe that the man actually just wanted to test the market and see what all the numbers were offered to him. He may have not liked the numbers that were offered to him. He may have been only offered one year deals. Who knows? Players you know, and I found this out from a guy who actually talks to players regularly, you know, and knows players on a personal level. Um, They said agents are the ones who do all the negotiations, all the speaking, all the basically contract wants. Players don't sit there and come out and say their number. They don't come out here and say, hey, I want to be eight. I want to be paid 18 and a half a year because that's how much I'm worth. They don't sit there and say that. No, their agents go out there and sit there and they say that. We don't sit there and blame the player. We blame it. Now, the player can definitely tell the agent like, hey, you can lower my price a little bit, you know, whatever the case may be. But the agent's going out there and he's saying whatever number he feels is respectful for his client, what the agent feels, not what the player feels, what the agent feels and what he sees as the value for his client. That's the reality of how the football game works. But not a lot of people know that and not a lot of people want to look into that because a lot of people want to live in the world where they feel like they're right or where they feel they want to feel like they're heard or their opinion is validated. Well, I'm sorry. Just like how the business is cruel to the players, it can be cruel to the fans sometimes. Your opinion doesn't fucking matter in the damn league. Um, But anyways, my point is, Tyron Matthew was not offered a contract by Kansas City, not because he can't play. Kansas City knows the man can play. They saw clearly how bad the defense was without him in the Buffalo game. They know the man can play. But they know that he's also 30 years old. And in today's league, safety is not a very high-valued position, especially when you're getting older. If you look at a lot of teams, they don't have old safeties on their teams. Unless you're like a Harrison Smith who is a guy who's been a lifer who's going to stay on a team forever. You know, honestly, if Eric Berry stayed healthy, that would have been that would be him on this team at, at the moment. Maybe he would already he'd still be cut and gone. But, uh, you know, if he actually played and wasn't hurt, he'd still be on the team because that's just who he was. He was a chief for life, essentially. But maybe he would have been moved on from who knows uh, still, you know, obviously he's moved on from. But. Tyron Matthew wasn't offered a contract not because he can't play no more because he's an old he's an old aging safety and if you went out and gave him a three-year contract you are hoping that he can replicate the last three years that of production that he gave you because he gave you fucking phenomenal production every every number of that contract he earned every bit of it I don't give a shit what anybody says he earned all that money 
He earned, look at the accolades he earned. And people keep saying like, oh, well, he can't tackle anymore. He doesn't want to tackle. Okay, okay. You're going to be in the prisoner. And this is what this is what I said to the guy. I was arguing with this guy on Twitter. You're going to be a prisoner of the moment based off a couple plays a year. A couple plays a year don't dictate a player. You know why? I say that about Daniel Sorensen all the damn time. His two phenomenal plays that he makes a year does not make him a fucking good player. But this also, the same logic applies in this way to Tyron Matthews' situation. If Tyron Matthews says, let me just put it this way. Let's say Tyron Matthews averages 55 plays on the defense. And this is what I said to the guy on Twitter, the loser on Twitter. Um, if Tyron Matthews averages 55 plays on uh, defense... And out of those 55 plays, two of them he whiffed or decided – one of them he whiffed and the other one he decided to make a business decision. So that's two plays out of 55. So we're going to go ahead and discount the other 53 plays that that man was locking his dude up, playing unnatural positions, like playing post safety when everybody who's fucking smart and who knows the fucking game of football and who can fucking read defense knows that Tyron Matthews not a post safety. Tyron Matthews is a downhill robber. He plays the nickel. That is who he is. He plays better close to the line of scrimmage, and he plays bump and run man press up a guy up against the line in the at the line of scrimmage. Sorry, I'm getting a little heated right now, but I'm saying that Tyron Matthews was playing a lot of uh a lot of positions that he wasn't comfortable playing because you guys had you had guys like Daniel Sorensen who can't play worth the shit. And that's why you saw him throwing his hands up a lot because you saw guys who can't who couldn't play. And then he had to go and play in those positions, unnatural positions. Or when he would play in his natural position, he had to basically worry about everybody in the secondary because no one could do anything. And that's why, in my personal opinion, you pay a guy like Tyron Matthew. If he has that much of an impact on a defense, when a defense can't play without him, then you pay a guy like that. You don't overpay him, but you pay him respectfully. That's my whole point. And what I tried to say to this asshole on Twitter, he was sitting there saying, oh, he sucks. He can't play no more. Oh, well, he sucks. He can't play no more. Well, the guy that was second in fucking tackles on the team and led the team in interceptions and made a Pro Bowl, say what you want, it's still fucking accolade. He was the team captain or team MVP yet again, still the captain of the, uh, the damn defense. And yeah, he barked at a lot of guys. But guess what? A lot of those guys needed a fucking reality check on that defense. And he was the only one that fucking had the audacity to say, some, say something. And those guys listen to him because they respect him. He's a fucking leader. And if you listen to his voice and how he speaks, he is a leader. Sometimes you have to get on the guys. That's just what happens. Those guys didn't take it personally. They know who he is as a person. They know that he, they know he's a leader. Um, But yeah, no, that, you know, those narratives have been coming out about him that he just can't play no more. Those are bogus. You know, it's because of his age. It's because in today's league, you don't pay aging you don't pay aging safeties unless they're Charles Woodson. And I'm sorry, Charles Woodson's an outlier. You just you'll never see a player that basically converted from corner to safety 
and went all pro in his 30s. Like, got better as he got older. He was phenomenal when he was younger, but got better as he got older. Um, and Tyron Matthew is, is a phenomenal player. I still think he's going to get accolades wherever he ends up. Even if he comes back to Kansas City on a one-year deal, it could very hap- it can happen at this point. He hasn't gotten anything yet, or he hasn't accepted anything yet, or whatever offers he's gotten so far. Um, he even said to the Saints offer that they offered him that, you know, you know, I would love to come and play for my hometown, my hometown team, but I don't think they need a guy like me. So that says a lot, you know, you can read into that however you want to read into it. Um, and, but yeah, the guy on Twitter, you know, those dudes, those, when you, when people are saying that narrative, I just, I can't stand that. You know, if you look at the statistics, I get people saying, oh, not everything shows up on the stat sheet. And I like, you know, and I know some people like to use the eye test. I use the eye test very well, but I also look at game film and I use my eyes with that too. And I repeatedly, I also re- uh, repetitively watch a lot of clips. Sometimes I'll watch the same ones over and over again to evaluate um, a certain, you know, move that, you know, a player does or whatever action he takes just to see why he did it. And maybe if he did the right thing or he did the wrong thing, you know, and Tyron Matthew, believe it or not, he has a lot more good plays and he has a lot more than he had a lot more great plays and he had a lot more bad plays. And a lot of his bad plays were far less than a lot of people think. But anyways, all right, guys, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of the podcast, the King Connect podcast. Hope you guys all enjoyed. Well, like I always say, the connect was real. Jay Marsh and Sakura Shirts.